0: Welcome to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and staff achieve peak economic and practice efficiency so there is time and energy to focus on patient care and a happy life. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-hosts Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter.
1: Today's episode is brought to you by Maud Med. Do your EHR and PM adapt to your style of practice? The ModMed EHR and PM do, with benefits like remembering preferences and automatically suggesting documentation and billing codes. Urologists voted ModMed, the number one urology specific EHR and PM solution available. Built by urologists with input from yours truly. Stop wasting 60 minutes and 200 for each of your open or no show slot. Go to modmed.com slash PRS network set up an appointment with the team at ModMed Urology and shift your urology practice into high gear. Imagine a solution on a tablet or the web that works seamlessly with revenue cycle management, analytics, telehealth, payment processing, patient engagement tools, and much more. ModMed is transforming healthcare by placing doctors and patients at the center of care. Welcome to episode 185 of the Urology Coding and Reimbursement
0: Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-host, Mark Painter, and Dr. Ray Painter. And on today's episode, we want to talk about MIPS. We want to remind you that the MIPS submission deadline is April 1st, so that's coming up soon. And we've had some questions about MIPS and the submissions and what everybody needs to do to make sure they hit those deadlines and... Um, take care of their MIPS. So Mark, do you want to share what the questions have been coming in and what they need to know?
1: Yeah. So a couple of different things, you know, for a few years during COVID, it was pretty easy to get a hardship exemption from MIPS and the MAPCRA program, but MIPS and everything has still been out there and lurking around and So we've gotten a couple of questions recently because people have been getting an adjustment on their claims with the CARC, which is the comment uh, code in the adjustment side of a 237 or an N701. Um, Those adjustments are negative adjustments, meaning that your 2022, you either didn't file for A hardship or were not granted a hardship or you didn't submit information for the MIPS program or you submitted and you didn't hit the 75 point threshold. It was under the radar for a while and we didn't pay much attention to it and didn't really talk about it too much because it was a a zero-sum game, right, where we focused a while on MIPS and what folks needed to do with the couple of years of the hardship that everybody could do, it wasn't really top of mind. And then of course, there are folks that have arrangements with ACOs. And they may have thought that because they had an arrangement with an ACO, that the ACO was reporting for them. Or they had an agreement with an electronic medical record company and that expired. There's a million different potential drop the ball cases that are out there but the adjustment when it is added is at 9% right now for eligible claims and they're done on a claim by claim basis so it's not something that you want to miss out on so because the deadline is looming we thought we'd take we'd give you a little a month warning ahead of time that it's time to take a look at your reporting requirements and find out if you've got everything together. Now there's a cup there's several different resources out there that can help you in reporting MIPS to Medicare. There's and one that we have used and the only reason I'm mentioning this is because we've used them before is Mingle and they've done a good job with us for our for folks that we've referred over to them. But there are other groups that are out there that can help you with that. And certainly your EHR company is a good resource for some initial discussion. So I would check both ways if you've got that. But your first step is to really check your participation status. And the way that you do that is... There is a website that Medicare has. It's qpp.gov. And then specifically, we're going to drop a link into the program that takes you directly to check your participation status. You enter your NPI number and you hit check status. And once you get into that check status, it'll give you on the first page a general participation status that really focuses on whether or not you are eligible. And that eligibility overall is based on whether or not you bill Medicare directly for some things. And the, the bar is pretty low. Essentially, if you've billed more than $90,000 in Medicare Part B professional services, you saw more than 200 medicare part b beneficiaries and provided 200 covered professional services then you are part of mips so it's not one of those things that you can choose to and it's they look at the 12 month period from october to october 1 to september 30 in the year prior so That's the way it works. So, uh, most urologists um, that are participating in Medicare fit those thresholds um, that I've seen. Now, your Medicare Advantage plans do not count. Um, These are straight Medicare um, Part B submissions. So, it's straight billing to Medicare. If you are now the, and and Medicare Advantage doesn't count, as I mentioned. You do want to go first and check your eligibility status. And then the qpp.gov has a lot of information about those things. Oh, and I forgot to mention that when you put in your participation status, make sure you click the expand button. There's a, towards the bottom of the page, that gives you more detail as to where or how you can report. So it'll tell you if you're participating as part of an ACO or if you're in an ACO, but you still have to submit under MIPS. So you wanna read that full page, do the expanded piece and double check, and then go check and see if you are set up to report. There's an election period that has ended for 2023, obviously the year has ended, So, you can't actually change your status to report as a group. You're going to end up reporting as an individual if you did not elect to report as a group. So, you do want to make sure you understand where you are relative to all of those reporting issues. And you want to make sure that you've got a way to submit. And you want to make sure that happens. Before the April 1 deadline, the effect of not participating or not playing the game will hit you in 2025 because they're a couple years behind. So you submit your 2023 data, and the impact is two years later, which would be January 1, 2025. Once you find out that you are a qualifying Provider or a QP, or you need to look at the potential of reporting, and there are several different reporting methods. If you didn't report throughout the year of 2023, you can't use method one, which is reporting on claims. This is really not a great way to report anyway. The biggest number of fails of people trying to participate came in reporting on uh, claims based reporting. So you can use patient-level reporting, which is through a CMS website, but that's really only available to certain groups, and you would have had to done that through the year. You can attest to improvement at uh, activities and promoting interoperability measures, and that one's easy to do. As long as you have met the qualifications, you want to do that. And then you can upload files um, from data extractions, and that's where working with a group like Mingle or somebody else can help you or working with your ER, HR company, and they can help you with both the uh, submission of the data and the interoperability uh, measure. And remember, with MIPS, there are basically four different areas, quality, which is done by measures, and that's the the part where you really need to select those measures and get those up and running by asking certain questions. Most of you with the current quality measures that are out there do that as part of your normal clinical routine, Um, but it is something that you need to report and you'll need to select specific measures uh, that are available uh, to report. Uh, Then there's the cost uh, measure where the cost portion of MIPS. This is actually calculated for you based on Medicare payments. There's nothing you need to do. This is something Medicare calculates. Then there are improvement activities. And these are things that you want to take a look at as far as your attestation. If you're doing it that way, this is something where you're trying to expand patient access or prove that you're doing some type of population management or care coordination, engaging your patients, your patient safety, achieving health equity, your emergency preparedness, and your at least uh, touching on behavioral and mental health. And then the last one, which of course is, is really more about the EHR adoption and the and the CEHRT program this is promoting interoperability so this is something that ultimately uh, you need to have an up to date and an operating electronic medical record and then each of them has a certain amount of weight when those are scored uh, and you should be able to at the end of the period. So after the analysis period, usually late in the year. So if you submit your data in 2023, you should be able to access your reports as to how you did late in 2023. So it is something that you want to pay attention to and you want to get a good jump on. You've got a month, but as everyone knows, a month is not a long period of time in today's world, especially (laughs) with everybody overloaded. So if you, are, if you haven't taken care of that, definitely take care of it. And if you don't know, ask questions, but start off by checking out that qpp.gov uh, and check your eligibility status and then go back to your, your folks and start making the arrangements to get that information in. Again, it's not quite as easy to get a hardship exemption now that we've ended the public health emergency.
0: All right. I got a question for you. Just a bottom line question. So what is the carrot? I guess in this case, it's the stick. What is the stick that happens in 2025 if you don't do this? How much and what does it impact?
1: So I'll answer it in two ways. So there is a carrot, by the way, and, but the stick is a big one. It's a 9% take back. Now it doesn't seem to be applied to anything but your professional services. So typically we're not seeing this as a take back on PATH and a lot of radiology services. It's really focused and not on your J codes or your drugs, but it is a 9% take back in your overall, from your overall payment from Medicare and that can't be turned around and charged to the patient. So it's a decent stick. But there is a carrot, if you do really well, and if there are enough people penalized, then you may see an adjustment code of 144 um, on there. And ultimately, they use the same VARC code, which is a remittant advice remark code of N701 for both plus and minus. The, that would be an actual upwards payment based on how many people were penalized in that year and what that pool is, there could be a payment back to you in a bonus if you did really well. Now, in years past, the carrot has not been big enough really to focus a lot of attention on MIPS. And I think that's one of the issues that is out there. And one of the things that Medicare was talking about in their proposed rule was raising the threshold uh, score from 75 to 80 so that they had more penalty money in to make the carrot pool bigger because this is technically budget neutral. Now, Medicare decided not to push that through based on the fact that everybody's still trying to recover from the public health emergency but that is something that they'll probably try again. They're going to start raising the bar to for everyone, not for 2024, but likely in 2025. So, there's a carrot, there is a stick. The stick is the bigger one. All right. So, so that's one of those things I think overall we've been at least play to at least play to zero, right? You want to make sure you're at least getting to zero even if you're not one of those who wants to invest in trying to be the top scorer. Now, there's there are folks that we've seen in urology that have gotten some bonuses relative to their MIPS score. Um, most of those have come through advanced payment models or APMs and participation with other groups. But it, there is that carrot that's out there for regular MIPS payments. If you're really one of the top performers, and there's enough underperformers to fund those bonuses. All right, Ray. Any comments, Mark? What is the highest uh, bonus you've seen paid? Yeah. So, Ray, there there are some folks that, if you score a hundred percent, that have gotten a decent payback. According to general statements, the 2023 uh upside if you scored 100% was about 4.69% I think and the upside for a 100% score in MIPS for 2024 has jumped up to eight and change and that's a result probably of the f- the fact that there were a number of folks who didn't pay as much attention in 2022 to MIPS and so we had a few more penalties So that may be why we're getting a few questions. So there's more money in there to fund the upside to make, to give more incentive there. And of course, the other thing they're trying to do is change the track to MVPs the most valuable pathways. So they're making some shifts in the system that that really started pre-pandemic. They've been on hold for a couple of years and then they started them back up, but they're phasing in slowly. Because I think one of the biggest problems with MIPS that we've got out there is that it's more administrivia than actual quality towards patient care, doing the basics, which is good if you're playing for zero, right? If you're just trying to meet the lowest level, not having to do a lot of extra above and beyond helps. But the, rea- the other part of it is it's there's just a lack of interest, I think, out there because it just doesn't matter for a lot of your patients day to day because the measures aren't really that clinically relevant to a lot of things that happen in urology. All right. Anything more, Ray? No, nope, nothing.
0: All right. Thanks. April 1st is the MIP submission deadline. Uh, mark it on your calendars. Make sure that you don't miss that because it can impact you in 2025.
1: Yeah, and I really right. hope that I really hope that this episode was boring and unnecessary for most people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully everything's uh, on its path. But uh, for those that
0: haven't thought about it and aren't doing anything, got a month to get it done. So, all right. That's all we have. Let's. I want to thank ModMed for s- supporting this episode. Once again, you can go to modmed.com forward slash PRS network. They do have some specials for our audience. So if you're in the market for an EHR or a practice management system, check it out and see what they have and see if that's uh, the right system for you. All right, let's get some final thoughts and uh, we'll wrap this up. Final thoughts, Mark.
1: Yeah, it's strange to go back into the MIPS thing after we rode this so hard pre-pandemic and trying to get everybody alerted to all this stuff. And then yeah, it just fell off the focus for us. And ultimately, getting the rough reminder for seeing this happen to a couple of folks and getting those questions, I felt like we needed to bring this back up to everybody's attention so that if you're starting to see those things, that, I mean that's not a good thing. But more importantly, do what you can do to prevent it from happening again by getting all of that in place. and And hopefully most of you are working with your EHRs. Um, that does seem to be the best way to go. And I, I forgot to mention the the registry reporting option. That is something that for those of you who are working with Aqua through the AUA. There are some reporting options there. So make sure that you're connected so that you can get everything in and you're taken care of for your 2023 reporting year. That's what you can affect right now. Ray, final thoughts. It sounds like this is MIPS is one of those things for some people it's out of sight, out of mind, and it's a gotcha. But Mark, if I hear you correctly, the recommendations are probably pretty close to the same. You want to really work to be sure you're not in a negative, but it may not be worthwhile to really push for trying to get the bonus. Yeah, it really depends on how your practice is set up. For some people, it's a relatively small financial burden to be in that going for the the top tier some practices uh, it's a big lift and that's i think where the drawing line the kind of the the dividing line is the ROI right how much do i have to invest to get probably a small bonus in that now obviously reputationally that may be something that you're looking for as a potential that's out there but uh, again, the the upside is not as great uh, as the downside is down, right? So you you absolutely need to pay to hit play to put hit the threshold. That decision to push to be a top performer should be based on your culture and what you've already got laid down and the cost to make that shift.
0: Okay. All right, Let's wrap this episode up here. Pick us out, Ray.
1: Happy coding.
0: Thank you for listening to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and their staff maximize income and efficiencies so there's time and energy for patient care and a happy life. Special thanks to Carl Painter for the music today. You can find his music on Spotify under his record label, The Juicery.